Our scripture this morning begins in Luke chapter 2 as we continue on following the birth of Jesus. Hear now the word of the Lord. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. As many of you have had the experience this week with family and friends in town, I found myself this week talking to many cousins and friends from out of town and catching up, and many of them had a similar refrain about their children of different ages. They're at the perfect age, that sweet time in their lives. I just wish they would stop growing up. We've all heard this and maybe even said these words ourselves, but it was funny to notice different friends and family members saying the same refrain, but their children being at different ages and different stages of their lives. Some had just gotten to the point where their children were sleeping through the night for the first time and they were getting sleep once again. Oh, the perfect age. They're getting sleep. Some have two-year-olds who are starting to talk and interact, and they're discovering the personalities of their children and discovering how fun and different and interesting they are. They said, oh, they're at the perfect age. Some are at that beautiful age of elementary school just before puberty where there's no hormones and no distractions and not much drama. And they say, oh, they're at the perfect age. Some are in high school. And they're adults now, and they're having conversations with their parents. And they're having their parents think of things that their parents don't even think of. And they say, oh, it's so nice to have these conversations with them before they go off to college. They're at the perfect age. And I noticed time and time again, our friends and family would say this refrain. They're at the perfect age, and they just wish it would last a little longer. They're cute, they're sweet, they're manageable. We've figured out the routine They know how to handle things. They know how to do evening feedings before bed so the kid will sleep through the night. They've figured out how to do homework, how to do sleepovers. They've gotten into a rhythm. They know that Wednesday night is spaghetti night, and on Friday you can spend the night out, but on Saturday you need to spend the night at home. They've got it all covered. And right as they slip into that moment where they seem to have it all figured out, their child begins growing up some more. And it's like they're just trying to catch them before they do. As I reflected on this this week, looking at the scripture and how Luke is telling us that Jesus is growing up himself. I wonder if we do the same thing that we do with our kids as we do with Jesus, especially around Christmas. I think there is a temptation with Jesus to keep baby Jesus just as that. A little baby in the manger. Simple, small, sweet, predictable. With the new mother, we want to keep him there in that safe and known place. Why is this? Why is it that we want to keep our, our kids and even our Messiah this way? 
I think the, the story of the Messiah coming is just like having our kids. It's big, it's scary, it's unknown. There are new things that we'll have to deal with, things we have never done before. So we're scared because we might not do them right. I believe it's the unknown that terrifies us. We have this new Messiah coming into our lives. We don't even know if this means military rule or total wipeout. We're scared. Then he comes to earth in the form of this peaceful little baby. I'm sure he was normal like any other baby, whining and crying and needing to sleep and eat and be changed. But he comes in a somewhat manageable way. Once he's born and mom's okay and baby's okay and we have them in the manger, I think there is a desire for us to keep them there. Just like our kids, we've figured out how to do things. It's safe, it's secure. We see visitors coming with gifts to the baby Jesus. But most of all that's going on in this space is known and controlled. We want the known because we want control. We want to be able to control the outcome. We want to know what's happening to us and to those around us. We want to know that we can get it all right and earn the gold star and know that we can measure up. I think we want Jesus to stay small so he can stay dependent on us. So that we can be in control of him. So that we can be the parents and be the ones that takes care of him. You see, in the manger, we are in a space where we don't need Jesus. Actually, Jesus needs us because he's just a little baby. And as long as we keep Jesus this way... We can be in charge, we can be in control, and actually we can be needed. We can be the strong ones. But as we know, with our own children, babies don't stay babies, they grow up. And this morning, Luke reminds us that just like all kids, no matter how much we want that to happen, baby Jesus grows up. There's a scene in a recent movie called Meet the Robinsons where Chevy Chase plays the nostalgic father, much like he plays in the vacation movies with National Lampoons. And every morning he sits at the breakfast table and reads his paper, and his one desire is to have his three children at the table with him. His eldest is a teenage daughter in high school, and then a teenage son follows her. They're always bickering and fighting, rarely stopping long enough for even a few bites of the table. Well, one morning, Chevy Chase sitting at his table, reading his paper, the stars align and all three of his children sit down, eat breakfast, and are relatively civil to one another. The light shines through the window as if it's a miracle. The camera closes in close on Chevy Chase as his face grins, and he is fulfilled. Everything he desires in life is coming true. And for just a moment, everything is right in the world. Then the alarm sounds and the kids have to run off to school and they grab their food and leave, not even saying goodbye. Sometimes I identify with this figure in the movie, this ideal existence that we desire. Like a Norman Rockwell painting, we want the ideal life. We want what is known and what is comfortable and even what is controllable. We want our children to stay young and cute and simple. We want them to stay as they are when their problems are small and we've learned how to manage them. 
We want to stay their parents and we want to be able to solve all their problems with merely a band-aid and a hug. But they don't stay small. They grow up. And just like our kids, baby Jesus grows up as well. We celebrate the gift of God coming to us this week as a baby. God giving up his place in heaven and taking on the form of a human. We celebrate this gift, this amazing act of humility, and then we want to leave him there in the manger. We don't want to move on. We have the wise men and the shepherds and the gifts they've brought and the praise that they bring. We have the known space of the manger and we have learned how to do this. Three simple problems that we can solve. Does he need to eat? Does he need to sleep? And does he need to be changed? We have mastered these problems. Life is once again under control. And once we master these and figure out the situation, we would like to stay there. Because we know that growth is hard, that change is scary, and not knowing what is coming terrifies us. But I have news for you all. We will, know, we will never know everything there is to do in a situation. We will never know what's around the corner, and we will not know how to handle everything. But I'd offer to you this morning that that is not only okay, that is actually how God has intended it. Let me say it again. That is on purpose. God has not called us to figure out everything in life, but rather to turn to him in dependence, seeking out his participation, his wisdom, his knowledge. See, we are always learning and growing, just like our kids, developing and entering new situations. And yes, sometimes they are more predictable and sometimes everything feels new. But this is a part of life, continuing on, sticking with it, growing, changing, developing, learning, adapting. Being in a new place or a place of unknown is not a bad place to be. It can be uncomfortable, but it can also be fun, exciting, and even exhilarating. Growth is necessary for us going on. It's developing. It's progressing. It is a core part of the life that God calls us to. And we get a chance to accept this reality and embrace it and enjoy it. We get to choose how we respond to this reality. And it seems that we can choose to embrace it in a positive way and enjoy it, or refuse to give up control, try and avoid it, and try and control everything around us. Manage it, keep it from happening, in the same way we keep our kids from growing up. There are three basic truths that I want to share with you this morning that help us realize the necessity of us growing, of letting go. But most of all, about who God is that allows us to do this. First of all, we are not God. God is God And we are not. I believe this is a foundational place to start when we talk about change. God is in control and we are not. Yes, we play a part, but I will always encourage you that God plays a bigger part. Secondly, God is for us and not against us. Sometimes we feel like the deck is stacked against us, but it is not. 
I would actually suggest that it is always stacked in your favor. The small details of life might not always work out as we expect. Actually, I'd offer they rarely do. But God is very much for us. And finally, one of the things I have recognized in this week in preparing this sermon is that life is not all about us. I think we have a tendency to view the world naturally and how it affects us. And as we read through the scriptures and see the life of God with us, this baby Jesus who will now grow up, he demonstrates for us the wonderful reality that life is not all about us, but about God and his glory. As we progress into the new year, we will begin a new series on what it means to follow Jesus. And we will look at not the baby Jesus in the manger, but Jesus as he grows and lives in this world, as he becomes an adult, as he matures and lives into the life and calling that God has given him. We will look at the mission that Jesus is on in the world and seek to join him in that, to partner with God in bringing the kingdom of heaven to earth by making disciples. We will examine the values of Jesus' life, the guideposts that he uses to direct how he lives and how he embodies this call of discipleship. And we will seek to join him in this life. But first, I'll remind you this morning and invite you to ask yourself, are we willing to let God grow up? Are we willing to let God leave the manger as he did in the scriptures this morning, as Mary and Joseph proceed past just the birth and begin to live into the call of God on their lives? So I leave you with that question. Will you let God grow up? Amen.